0: Well, last time we met, we took just a little break from our study in the book of Genesis to go through the parable of the lost coin. And now we're back in the book of Genesis and we're going to pick up where we left off in Genesis chapter 13. Just a reminder uh, of where we've been. As you will probably remember, we went through Genesis 1 through 11 and we saw first God's good gift to humanity and making us in his image and and giving us all the fruit of the garden except for one, and giving the command that the man and woman should not eat of that fruit. And we know how that went. Adam and Eve sinned against God and brought the whole world into sin as a result. And we know that's the case because as Genesis 3 through chapter 11 progressed, you find that every generation is given to sin, even to the point that in chapter 6... God says that in chapter six, verse five, every intention of the thoughts of the heart of man is only evil continually. And so, you know, the story, God judges the world in a flood. And then uh, even after that, we find that the hero of that story, Noah himself, is is really just another man and ends up sinning by getting drunk and then his his son Ham sins by making fun of him and, and doing something there in the tent to him or or, or or as a result of him being naked takes advantage of him in some way that we don't really see for sure. But as a result of that, his son Cain uh, Canaan is cursed and the rest of the world goes on in sin up until the Tower of Babel. And we find there men gathered together to build a city and a tower to make a name for themselves. And God judges that effort by confusing their language and scattering them so that they will not uh, be of one mind. And all that's progressed and we, the point of all of that is so that we come to understand that if, if the world is going to be restored, God's going to have to do it. And then we find in chapter 12 this significant pivot, this change in the story. But the story doesn't come with God pulling back the skies and declaring to mankind His will for them. It doesn't come with these tablets of stone descending from heaven to tell us exactly how we're supposed to act. It doesn't come in any of the ways that we as humankind would expect. It comes with God giving his calling, giving his promise to one man. And that man is an old man named Abram, who is well past the age of having kids. And not just that, but we find that his wife, Sarah, is barren and has been barren her whole life. But God gives the promise to this couple that he will make them a great nation and that through them, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed. So we don't really know how that's going to happen. You've got an old man and a barren woman. How is God going to do that? And over the next many chapters that we go through the book of Genesis, we're going to find ups and downs in that story. We're going to find faithfulness. And we're going to find faithlessness. But what we find throughout that is that God is still faithful. And so we're going to pick up in Genesis chapter 13. We're going to read the whole chapter. It's not a very long chapter, but it has one story in it. And we need to, we need to read the whole thing so that we get the full picture of it. And then I'll pray and we'll get into the sermon. Genesis chapter 13 beginning in verse 1. God's word says, So Abram went up from Egypt. He and his wife and all that he had and Lot with him into the Negev. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. And he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where he put he tent. Where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai to the place where he had made an altar at the first, and then and there Abram called upon the name of the Lord, and Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them, dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. Then Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zoar. This was before the Lord judged Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre which are in Hebr- which are at Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we know that your word is true. We know that your promises are true. And we know that you though you might work Through us and in us working out your promises in various ways and that the timing might not always be the way that we want it to be and the purpose behind it might not always be exactly and fully understood Lord we know that you are good and that your purposes are good to us and so Lord we come to you to confess that we need your truth we need you to speak to us we need you to assure us of what you have for us and the purposes that you are working out in our lives. And so, Lord, we pray today for your blessing. Lord, we know that you have promised that you would work through your word, that your word would not return to you void, but it would accomplish the purpose that you have sent it out to do. So, Lord, we pray that now for these that are here, that you would work in their hearts, that they might be reproved and corrected, that they might be drawn to trust you and to walk with you. Father, give me the words to say that I might encourage and build up and take away those words that would distract or lead astray. And may all be done for Your glory and honor. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Now, I don't know if you guys deal much with Amazon Prime, but I have to confess that over the past few years, I've become quite dependent on the service known as Amazon Prime. And there's one person I know that's more dependent on it than me. If you don't know what Amazon Prime is, Amazon is a website, not just a river in, the, in, in South America, but it's a, a website that started out with Jeff Bezos, uh, starting it in his home office there in California. And then it worked up, he initially started selling books and then he worked up to selling other things on the internet. And now he's a, a global force. I think he's one of the top three largest companies in the world right now. Uh, but it, it, you, it's amazing because you can go online and you can search for anything in the world, pretty much, and you can order it. I think uh, I ordered, not too long ago, I ordered replacement bolts for a muffler on my, for my sawmill. So you, you, know, you can get anything you want, pretty much, on this website and what is also amazing about it is if you join the prime membership what they call the prime membership then you get free delivery free two-day delivery and so i can go online search for what i want hit one button on the website and it delivers to my house and on ridge road in greenville alabama in two days from wherever it came from in the world and you know, that's amazing in and of itself, but it also is uh, presents a little bit of a problem because every company now is seeking to one-up the other company in their convenience and the quickness of their delivery. And so, I don't know if you've noticed, but Walmart has started to do much of the same services that Amazon does. You can order your groceries online and Go and you pull into the instead of going into the grocery store to pick up your stuff, you pull into a parking space and a man comes or a woman comes out with your groceries and puts them in your car and you drive off. Super convenient. You just you just schedule a time to come pick it up. Or uh, Walmart has also, in order to compete with Amazon Prime, decided that they're going to do free next day shipping instead of two day shipping and you don't have to have a membership to get that. And you might have heard that there's this ever-expanding and ever-growing uh, competition between these two companies to deliver faster and quicker and better uh, whatever it is that you order. So you might have heard that Amazon is researching right now how to use drones to literally drop off your package the same day that you order. And so there might come a day where, I don't know, this is a little far, but uh, in Pineapple, Alabama, you click a button, and within 30 minutes you get a package dropped off in your, in your doorstep. Pineapple might be a little far, but, uh, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, maybe Montgomery, Alabama, they, they get it dropped off right there the same day that you, deli- that you order it. And for all of the wonder that that brings with it, You know, it shows that our society is obsessed with the immediate. We love instant gratification. Just think about some of you and many of us and our movie experiences over the, the years and how our own movie experiences have changed. In the 40s and 50s and 60s and even on the way all the way up to the 90s, um, if you wanted to watch a movie, you had to go to a theater on certain days, and there were only certain listings that you had, or movies that you had to watch. In fact, up until the, the 80s and 90s, it was just one movie that you had the choice of that you could watch. And you might pull into the drive-in drive down in Greenville and, and uh, watch the one movie that they had playing, but you didn't have a wide variety of choices. But now... You can access, from the comfort of your own sofa at home, you can access thousands of movies on Netflix or Amazon or DirecTV or whatever it might be. And while all of this gives us more comfort and pleasure, it is not necessarily good for us. As some of you know, going to the movies used to be a social event for friends and for family. You you went with your family and your friends and you saw family and friends when you were there and you got to discuss the movie and go out for coffee afterwards and have a time together. And in in the same way with Amazon Prime and Walmart and all that we we're talking about, going to the local store to buy what you needed was also a social event. You knew your grocer. You knew your butcher. You knew your mechanic. Now, we don't know anybody. (laughs) We don't talk to anybody. Just like I said with the Walmart free pickup. You pull in. You don't ever get out of your car. You don't talk to the person that's loading your groceries. You just pull up and leave. There's no human interaction. All we have now are our own desires and our own preferences. But we love the immediate. We love instant gratification. And since the fall, humanity has always been given to the immediate over the eternal. In fact, the fall itself was the result of Adam and Eve seeking to gain immediate knowledge through the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil over the wisdom that only God could give. You think about Cain and how Cain could not rest in the protection that God promised that he would give to him even after he killed his own brother. And so he went out and he built a city with walls to protect himself. The people of Noah's day wanted power and eternal life through a relationship with fallen angels rather than waiting on the promise of God. The people of Babel wanted to to have a great Nation and a great city, and to build a great name for themselves rather than to wait on the coming city of God. And in the latter part of Genesis chapter 12, we even find that Abram fell to the temptation of the immediate. Because of the famine in the land of Canaan, he went down to Egypt and lied to the Pharaoh there. You might remember this story. He goes and he tells his it tells the Pharaoh that his wife is actually his sister so that he won't get killed and have his wife stolen from him. And you know that the uh, the Pharaoh brings her into his harem, and but before he can make her his wife, he God sends a plague on all the land of Egypt. And through that, he delivers Sarah and Abram, and as a result... Gains a great deal of blessing in wealth and livestock and all that for Abram and his kinsmen. But this is the pattern that we see with Abram, as I was saying earlier. In one chapter, we find that he is faithful to God. And in the very next chapter, we find that he is totally faithless. But now in chapter 13, we learn that Abram has come back from the land of Egypt, come back to Canaan... And he's come with Lot. And as a result of this experience in Egypt, he has gained great wealth. And even when he was faithless in Egypt, God used him to be a blessing. And he's been blessed so much that it's become a problem. Lot has great wealth and livestock, and he has great wealth and livestock. And the land cannot support... The huge amount of livestock that they have. So a quarrel erupts between the two clans. And there are three simple truths that I want you to see from this text that we have today. And this quarrel quarrel that breaks out between Lot and Abram. First of all, I want you to notice that Abram, as the man of faith, works to resolve the conflict Not stir it up. Notice in verse 8 that Abram immediately seeks to resolve the, the conflict among kinsmen. In fact, Abram appeals to their relationship as brothers or of the same family as a reason to resolve the conflict. Also, notice that notice how Abram seeks to resolve the conflict. He doesn't claim his rights to any land. He doesn't tell Lot because he's the younger one and the nephew that he needs to leave because he de- the older man deserves the land that God has promised him. Brothers and sisters, we are to follow the example of Abram in our relationships. Particularly when it comes to our relationships with our brothers in Christ. Jesus tells his disciples in John chapter 13, verse 35, that the world will know that we are his disciples by our love for one another. John echoes this very idea in his epistles saying in 1 John uh, chapter 3, verse 14, that we cannot claim to know Jesus unless we have love for our brothers. So Abram sets forth this example for us. That we are to resolve conflict, not create it. And he sets the example in the way that he goes about it. In not claiming his rights, not claiming that he deserves something, but rather seeking to resolve the conflict with his brother or with his, his nephew, his kinsman. Second, I want you to notice that Lot makes the choice that every unbeliever makes. It says in verse 10 that Lot lifted up his eyes and noticed that the Jordan Valley was fertile and full of cities. Now, there are two aspects of this choice that are notable. First of all, the language used here by Lot lifting up his eyes is the same language used in Genesis chapter 3 when it says that Eve looked upon the fruit of. And desired it. you see, like Eve, Lot looked at the land only with his base desires. he looked at it only with his stomach. And Paul says in Philippians chapter three verse 19, that all unbelievers you follow their base desires in their decisions. Philippians chapter three verse 19 says, "Their end is destruction, their God is their belly." And their glory, they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Lot did not care about the promises of God or his relationship to his uncle Abram. He only cared about his immediate need and how successful he could be in this fertile Jordan Valley. Second thing I want you to notice about Lot's decision is that Lot chose the land because there were cities. I imagine your experience was much like mine when you were coming up through high school. I had a lot of classmates who had the singular aspiration. They, they didn't say they wanted to go on to Auburn or Alabama or anything, but I had several classmates that I graduated with who only had one aspiration, and that was to get out of Greenville. I imagine y'all probably had that in a small town too. As soon as they graduated, you could see neither hide nor hair of them. And some of them, I don't know if they've ever come back to Greenville since they left. Some of them that I graduated with went as far as they could to the other side of the country. For many of them, this simply translated into being able to party and to buy drugs. That was really all they wanted to do is to be able to get out of the rigorous, conservative, southern town and be able to go do what they wanted to do. And for all the wonderful things that a big city has, everyone knows that one of the allurements of city life is the availability of any kind of pleasure one might seek. And this is exactly what is going on with Lot here. He wants the protection of a city. He wants the availability of opportunity in the city. He wants everything that the world could offer in the city. And yet, in Genesis, cities are not a good thing. Now, I'm not saying that cities are bad innately, but in Genesis, particularly Whenever you read about a city being established or someone moving to a city or whatever, it's not good. Usually the story is going to take a turn for the worse. Just think about it. Cities are built by sinful men like Cain and Lamech. Men who desire to defend themselves against God and do life on their own terms. Cities have towers like the Tower of Babel that are erected to human achievement. Cities have walls that reflect a lack of trust in God. Cities are a concentration of humanity that rejects God's command to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. In choosing the valley of cities, Lot is looking for the immediate and failing to wait on the promise of God in Abram to be fulfilled the last thing I want you to notice from the text is that Abram is faithful to trust in God and God is faithful to continue his promise. Notice that Abram makes no choice in this separation. He trusts God to work out the situation by simply waiting. And in this, Abraham, again, is a very good example for us as believers. When conflict arises, So often, our first reaction is to try to manipulate the situation, try to work it out, go to both sides and resolve the situation or work it to our own ends or work it for the advantage that we want. We don't pray first. We don't seek the Lord's counsel through his word or through godly brothers and sisters. We just try to bring things to our own conclusion in our own way In our own time. But oftentimes, when conflict arises, the best action we can take is to wait on the Lord, to wait and to watch for what the Lord is doing. Not only was Abram faithful, but God was faithful as well. In fact, in verses 14 through 17, God actually expands the promise that he made back in chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. In his initial promise, God had sworn that he would give Abram a a land and make him a great name. But he didn't say where or when. And now God quantifies that promise. He tells Abram to look up, to lift your eyes and look to the land that I will give you. And he actually sets its dimensions. He actually says, Go north, go south, go east, go west. This is the land. You're standing on it. This is the land that I will give you. You see, in this, God's promise to Abram and his promises to us have an exact dimension and an exact destination. God has made a promise. And He had already purposed to Abram before the world ever began that He was going to give a very specific land to a very specific person. God's purpose was sure and had a quantity and a real measurement to it. And the same thing is true for us, brothers and sisters. God's purpose, God has already purposed before the world ever began That he would give us all of the blessings that heaven has through Jesus Christ. He says that Paul says that very thing in Ephesians chapter one, verses 35, uh, verses three through five. I'm sorry. He says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will you see in Jesus all of the promises of god are secured because he is the faithful servant who fulfills the covenant for us in 2 corinthians chapter 1 verse 20 Paul says, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. And Jesus is the one who joins every believer, whether Jew or Gentile, together in brotherly love. In fact, Paul says that in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13 through 16 that God has purpose from all eternity to build a new temple. And that new temple is the collection of all of the people from all of time who have trusted in him whether Jew or Gentile. You see, friend, life is more than just instant gratification. If you're living for leisure, seeking to minimize pain and maximize comfort, hoping to gain just a little more pleasure, the end is ultimately destruction. Jesus Christ has died and risen again so that you might have more than just this immediate 80 or 90 years. He has purchased eternity for you. Won't you trust in Him today? Brothers and sisters, Like Abram, may we be found faithfully waiting on the promises of God. May we not be caught up in the culture of immediacy. So many times, sin is a result of our desire to have what we want right now, rather than waiting on the purposes of God to be fulfilled. Many times we expect the purposes of eternity, the blessings of eternity... To all be given to us fully right now. And so much of American religion is devoted to having our best life now. And focusing on the the blessings of this life. But there's a better kingdom that is coming. And may we be found faithfully waiting on it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your word today. In the example of Abraham. In his faithful patience. His faithful waiting for the fulfillment of the promises of God. Lord, may we too be found faithful. Waiting for that full fulfillment of your promise in your son when he returns. Bless us as we go out from this place. May we be examples of that faithfulness. May we be examples of brotherly love and affection as we seek to resolve conflict and not stir it up. And may we trust in you, even in the conflict, that you will have a better purpose. May we be willing to wait on that purpose. I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.